It's so good to see everyone here tonight. So thankful you've chosen to be with us back at Midway. We want you to know that you're always welcome. We have guests with us tonight. and We want you to know that uh, we look forward to having guests at every opportunity that, that we have. And we want you to know that we want you to come back at every opportunity that you have. If you have your Bible tonight, you may want to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been looking at some things in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We want to continue doing that tonight. We're chapter 1 at verse number 10 is where we want to spend some time tonight thinking about some things. The Apostle Paul has written to the church, the church at Corinth, the troubled church. One of the big problems that they were dealing with within the church was the division that was there. There was a lot of things that was dividing them. And as you study through the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll see a number of those that are developed and Paul defeats those things by God's will. But as we look at it, in the first, he's talking about the division. And I want you to notice in verse number 10 what the Apostle Paul writes to them. It's as applicable to us today as it was to them. And so that's one reason we study. But notice what he says. He said, English Standard Version, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. As we begin our lesson tonight thinking about it, we simply note that Paul is making an appeal to the brothers, to the people who are there in uh, Corinth. He makes that appeal to them. He's asking for something from them. Now, I want you to understand tonight, Paul could have bluntly commanded the Corinthians to stop their division. He could have simply said, don't do it. Like a parent, you know, that uh, gets on to their children, you, you, you sort of talk to them sometimes a little bit, and they keep on doing things, but then you, that you get them by name. And not just by name, you call all three names. And when you call all three names, you know it is time to quit. Paul could have done that to the Corinthians and said, all right, stop this divisiveness. Okay? But Paul chose a little bit different route. He chose to make an appeal. He used some different language here as he begins, but... Folks, it still carries the same force, <clears throat> even though Paul didn't bluntly say it. And when we think about some of the other translations of it, we go to the King James Version, well as the American Standard Version, and both of those have it translated in this way, I beseech you, I beseech you. If we were to look at the New American Standard, they translate it in this way, now I exhort you. Going to the New King James Version, now I plead with you. And indeed, the Apostle Paul is pleading with the church, with the folks who are there. He's pleading with them to be united. He's pleading with them to get rid of the divisiveness that they have among themselves. And so, he makes that plea. But I want you to note tonight from whence that plea comes. You see, it's not just the Apostle Paul on his own accord saying, hey, hey, brothers, y'all need to stop this. Notice what he said there in verse 10 again. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about from whence that plea came. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We could probably translate it in this way and really do no harm by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Brothers, I'm plea- I am making an appeal to you on Jesus' authority that you stop this divisiveness. You see, Jesus was concerned about it too. He didn't want his body divided. He didn't want the members of his body, you know, taking sides, if you will, as to who baptized them and who they were going to follow. They were to follow him. He's the head of the church. That's what these Corinthians were members of. And so Paul says, I am pleading with you by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ that you stop all of this foolishness. I'll just put it in those terms. That you quit doing this divided thing. You know, we're told in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse number 17, same apostle writing, that we are to do whatever we do in word or in deed. Do everything in the name of, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you remember in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said to his apostles, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he, then he commands them, if you continue reading there in verse number 19, he commands them to baptize folks, but have you ever noted how? In the name of, by the authority of, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we have an appeal by the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, at verse number 10. But we also have what we'll simply call uh, tonight the action that Paul calls for. The action that Paul calls for. Notice again, if, you're, if you have your Bible with you, that he says that he is appealing to them. English Standard Translation says, to agree. To agree. Now that sounds pretty good, to have people to agree to something, doesn't it? But uh, it's translated in a different way in some of the other translations. And I, I simply, in some cases, prefer the English Standard Translation because I think in a lot of most of the cases that they do a good job. I'm not convinced of that here in this particular passage. In the New American Standard Bible, it says uh, that, they, that he's appealing to them to agree, but it also has a note, a footnote, that says, literally, speak the same thing. And so, you know, not only do we have that note, footnote in the American Standard, New American Standard, we also have the translation of it in the King James Version, in the American Standard Version, and in the New King James Version, that you speak the same thing. The English Standard translators never translate this word agree in any other place. It does, as the New American Standard uh, footnotes say, it does literally mean to speak the same thing. And that's much more potent than simply to agree. It's much more potent when we're told to speak the same thing. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse number 11, the Bible says, Whoever speaks, you may be able to finish that, let him speak as the oracles of God. Speaking the words of God. If we're going to speak, we're speaking the words of God. You know, God's not the author of confusion, though, is he? He didn't say one thing to one group and something else to another group. He, he didn't give one command to some folks and another command to another set of folks and say, all right, now you go over here in your corner and you do this and you folks go over here in your corner and do that and I'll probably put somebody in the middle with something different to do. 
Paul says, I am appealing to you by the authority of Christ that you speak the same things. You know what? Not only are we speaking as the oracles of God, Paul would write in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 that rather speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love were to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ. Folks, consider something with me tonight. One person who teaches or one group who teaches that baptism is essential for the salvation of the soul is not the same as another group who says that baptism is absolutely not essential for the salvation of the soul. Those are polar opposites. They're on both ends of the spectrum. And they can't both be true. Paul said, I'm appealing to you by the authority of Christ that you speak the same thing. Speak what God speaks. Speak the truth. So tonight, you know, what would be different in our day and time? You see, what Paul is doing, he's calling on the Corinthians to have the same standard of authority. God's Word. God's truth. Not their feelings, not their thoughts, not what somebody else said, but what God said. That was their standard. And that's the standard that you and I are to have as His people today. Not something else, but what God said. And so Paul called upon them. He wanted them to have the same standard among themselves. But not only have we seen tonight the appeal and the action, what about considering the aim that Paul speaks about? What is it that he's wanting them, wanting of them? Well, notice again, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree or speak the same thing, literally, and that there be no divisions among you. No divisions. That's what Paul is wanting them to work for. If they have the same standard, they're working toward the same goal, if they're, if they're looking at the same thing, speaking the same thing, there won't be a division among them. That word Translated division is a word which means a schism. It means a gap. Uh, there won't be gaps between them. There won't be splits is another word that was used. There won't be splits among them. God wants them and Paul appeals to them to have no division. But notice he goes further than that even in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. Appeal to you by the name of the Father or by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united. Not, not just have no gaps or no splits. I want you to be united. You know, you can, you can uh, uh, unite two cats, can't you? By tying their tails together and throwing them over the... Uh, Clothesline, don't uh, go home and do that, any of you young folks. It will be a sight to see, let me tell you that. They'll be tied together, 
But they won't have any harmony among them, will they? There will be a fight. Be united, perfectly joined together is what the, new, or what the King James Version, how it translates it. What does that mean? Well, folks, it's the same word that was used in regard to what some of the apostles were doing when Jesus called them to be fishers of men. They were mending their nets. The word has to do with being sewn together, if you will, like a net would be sewn together. Not only does he talk about them being united, but again, look at what he, what he has to say, that, that there's to be no divisions among them, that he also says that uh, uh, he's appealing for them to have the same mind and the same judgment. No divisions, be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. The word translated mind here it has to do with the intellect, with the understanding that a person has. The word translated judgment has to do with the resolve and the purpose that a person has. And so, to say something like this, in regard to the illustration that I gave a while ago, that some say that baptism is absolutely necessary and some say that baptism is absolutely unnecessary for the salvation of the soul, it's not acceptable, according to what the Apostle Paul says, for us simply to agree to disagree. We are to be of the same mind, intellect, and understanding, and the same judgment, purpose, or resolve. There are a lot of folks in our world today who would stand up and say, well, well, I would call you my brother or my sister in Christ, and I know that you preach that baptism is for the remission of sins, and I, I just can't see that, but, but I think we would be fine to agree to disagree. That's not what Paul said. It's not what Paul was appealing to them through the authority of Jesus to do there at Corinth. No divisions, no, to be united, but not just simply to be united, to be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. If it were impossible, folks, if it were impossible for the Lord's church to have no division, if it were impossible for the Lord's church at Corinth to be united, if it were impossible for the Lord's church in Corinth to have the same mind, be united in the same mind and the same judgment, if it were impossible for all of that to take place, it would not have been required. But it was. And so as we look at it, that's a very serious thing, is it not, among the folks who are there in Corinth? Don't be divided. I know a lot of you have driven the roads and even the back roads of Walker County. And as you've driven the roads and, you know, along the way, you can't drive long without passing a church building of some kind. And if you go far, you'll pass more church buildings. And if you drive very far at all, you're going to find 
a bunch of church buildings with a bunch of different names on them. Denominational names that say we're a part of this group or that group or some other group. May, may I ask you a very sincere and relevant question? How can that possibly be consistent with what Paul enjoins here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 at verse 10? How can it possibly fit what he has to say? They weren't to have it in the church there at Corinth. Then we're not to have it up and down the road in Walker County or Alabama or the United States or the world. What do we mean by the idea of a denomination? Well, if we put it in simple terms, we might say a group of congregations that are joined together under some governing body. I mentioned the fact a minute ago that when you drive up and down the road, you're going to see these different churches having different names. said they'd be parts of a denomination. They have aligned themselves or joined themselves together under some governing body. But they're tied to the local or to the, to the uh, governing body above the local congregation, by definition, denominates them, sets them apart, divides, keeps them from being united from all other congregations that do not submit to the same authority. What was it Paul called on them to do? In the name of the Lord, by the authority, by the standard that was there. You know, I want to be kind, but I want us to think very carefully tonight. There are some examples that we could name over. When we speak about the Roman Catholic Church, aren't those congregations, aren't those churches combined or united, if you will, under one head? The Pope at Vatican City? What about the Eastern Orthodox Church? Some of you have been over to Romania and you know that that is a, a very prevalent and powerful group there. Well, they submit to the authority of the, uh, of the uh, uh, ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople. I had to refresh my mind on what it was called. The ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople. They've united themselves under that. What about the Anglican Church? Or Church of England? Have you ever heard, maybe in a movie or somewhere along the way, you've heard the king or the queen, depending upon when the movie was set, the king of the, or the queen of England being referred to as the defender of the faith. If you'll listen very closely, you'll hear that quite often. It's got a long list of things, one of which is the defender of the faith. Why is that? The Anglican Church or Church of England is 
a denomination made up of churches that submit to the Archbishop of Canterbury, who in turn looks to the king or the queen of England, who is the head of the church. They've divided themselves. The Lutherans divide themselves into synods. Good friends, we don't have a lot of Roman Catholics or Eastern Orthodox or Anglicans or Lutherans, but we do have a lot of other denominations. And again, let me be as kind as I can, but as firm as I need to be. What about those who submit to the Baptist teachings and others? But let me just focus on the Baptist for a moment. And note simply the denominations among a denomination. You see, each Baptist church, well, perhaps there are a few who don't, but the overwhelming majority of those churches align themselves with some convention or association or conference, such as the American Baptist Association, the Association of Reformed Baptist Churches of America, the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptist, the Baptist General Conference, the Central Baptist Association, Conservative Baptist Association of America, Free Will Baptist Association, Fundamental Baptist Fellowship Association, General Association of Baptist, General Six Principle Baptist. You get the point. There are so many who align themselves with so many different groups. And we haven't even gotten down to the Southern Baptist which is yet another, or the United Baptist, or even the Unregistered Baptist Fellowship. If one was to not be of Paul, and another of Apollos, and another of Cephas, and another of Christ, how, pray tell, could anyone... align himself or herself, or how could a congregation align itself with anything other than its head? Jesus Christ. We're not mentioning names tonight to be mean or ugly, to hurt feelings. We're mentioning tonight just to be truthful and to give examples to help us understand that there is a problem in the religious world. A problem called division. And if God was not satisfied with it in Corinth, how could He be satisfied with it in Walker County, Alabama? Even all these years later. You know, I'm willing to concede that many people in denominations today are not all that devoted to their denominational principles or interests of their own group. I understand that. But folks, by their very membership in a denomination, one is advocating separation. 
and religious division that Paul himself begs, pleads, exhorts, beseeches by the name, by the authority of Christ for the church at Corinth not to do. When we think about denominationalism, we might think about it in these terms. Denominationalism is both unscriptural and anti-scriptural. What do you mean by that? When we say it's unscriptural, there is no denomination that can go to the Bible and say, see that passage? That's the one that talks about our church, our denomination. Not a single one. When we talk about it being anti-scriptural, what we're saying simply is this, it is contrary to what the Bible teaches. As per our text tonight. Denominationalism is detrimental to the cause of Christ. Would you not agree? Because it goes opposite of what Paul pleads for here in our text. Well, that brings me to another question that we want to spend just a few minutes on tonight. That's this. You've convinced me of the concept that we shouldn't be divided, but you know, all people don't see the Bible alike. Why? Why? Why do we not see the Bible alike? Why, why are there so many different flavors and essences and kinds? Why do people not see the Bible alike? I don't have all the answers tonight. May I suggest four or five as to why we don't all see the Bible alike? Number one... There's no common authority accepted. No common authority accepted. What do you mean by that? There are the manuals. There are the disciplines. There are the catechisms. The creed books. The feelings. The opinions. The consciences of so many. When we allow our conscience to be our standard, when we allow our feelings to be our standard, who is to say that my feelings are any better than your feelings or your feelings any better than mine? When, when we allow those kinds of things, those opinions that we sometimes have, who says that yours is any better than mine? And who gets to decide which one is right and which one is wrong? And if we can't decide which one is right and which one is wrong, how could we ever obey what Paul wrote here? How could we ever do that? The Bible is God's final authority. Jesus himself said, John chapter 12 at verse 48, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. 
the word that I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. He didn't say Mark's opinions were going to be the standard of authority used on the day of judgment. Mark's feelings, he didn't say Mark's mindset or anything like that. He said you got a standard. Same one we've already talked about tonight, the one that Paul was pointing the Corinthians to, God's Word. And in the Bible, we're warned, Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, Paul, or rather John, writes these words, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are described in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part, his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Brethren and good friends, it's a serious matter to reject the standard that God has given us. To alter the standard that God has provided for His people. And yet one of the reasons that there is so much disagreement on the Bible, why we don't see it alike, is because we don't have that common authority. People want to add their own manual, their own